If this is your very first time here at the Center Church, my name is John. I'm the campus pastor here. I have the privilege to lead what God is doing. Uh, but we want you to get connected. And we believe that through this series, there could be some transforming moments in your own life, no matter if you follow Jesus for five days or five years. And so we want uh, you to be a part of this and engage with it. Uh, but when you see the title, Voices in the Wilderness, there's probably a whole bunch of things that come to your mind. Now, the first thing that comes to my mind is a couple years ago. A couple years ago, me and my friends thought it'd be a really good idea. Uh, my wife and I were celebrating kind of being married for a year or so and decided we we're going to take a trip to Dequaminon Falls. How many of you just by show of hands have been there or at least drove it? <laughs> Everyone's like suckers. They're walking and I'm just going to drive to the falls. Uh, we were the suckers, by the way. We walked. Um, and so I said right off the bat, I'm like, man, I love being outside. I love the trails. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage us guys, it was four of us total, I said, we should walk it. Like, let's park it lower, do the walk to upper, it's going to be beautiful. What we didn't know is it poured rain the entire night before. We did not compute. We stayed in St. Agnes and drove up there. As soon as we hit the trail, though, we figured out, oh, shoot, like, it is really gross. And we did not come prepared as any good tourist for what the weather had in store. Like, we just showed up thinking it was going to be great. I think in somewhere in my mind I had read it was paved, which is not paved. Like, come on. That's a dirty trick, Michigan. Like, pure Michigan. No, no, that was very wrong. Like, I went and I, uh, I started on this trail. We started blazing the trail. And again, some of us are in like flip-flops, Birkenstocks. I was wearing like new basketball shoes. Like, what are you doing? Like, we're walking through and these guys are on trekking poles, like powering through. It's only a couple miles though. It's not even that far. And so we started going through this trail and it was disgusting. I was mad. I was angry. I was a little bit hangry too because I heard there's a restaurant at the end, but you had to walk the whole trail to get there. Again, dirty trick. Like, you shouldn't do that stuff, Michigan. And so... We started progressing down the trail. We got a couple miles in and there I saw it. This beautiful, majestic lodge full of food and warmth and dryness and all the things I didn't have on Tequamanon Falls Lower to Upper Trail. So I get into the restaurant, we sit down and we eat a ton of food. It was so good. I don't even know if it was good. I just, I didn't, I would have eaten anything and it just sounded so good. So we sat down and ate. And uh, if you didn't know me or, or my wife, we like to save money. How many of you just are coupon clippers to this day? You've got the M perks. You've got every single thing you need to get as many things off cheaper possible. That is us. And so we did this trip as, as tight as a budget as we could come up with. We did it on very, very few dollars. And so we get to this restaurant, we splurge a little bit, and then we figure out that we've got to walk back to our car. And I said in my heart of hearts, there's no way in heaven I'm going to walk back to that trail and walk four miles back to my car. It's just not going to happen. And so we said, well, we could look in. I see there's a shuttle. Like there's a shuttle. It's taking weary travelers like myself from the upper down to lower. We should just do that. And so Lindsay walked over and she's like, hey, how much is for the shuttle? She's like, it's 20 bucks. I was like, oh, that's not bad for four people. She's like, per person. I'm like, what? That's highway robbery. There's no way I'm going to do that. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find a, a, a lonely person with a minivan in the parking lot, and they're going to take us back down for free. Like, that's what we're going to do. 
And so we start walking around, and we're not too bold at that point. So we kind of walk, like, she looks kind of normal. Like, we should ask her. Like, will you take us? And so we kind of looked around. We walked around the parking lot a little bit, and was just like, this is not going to work. This plan is not going to work. So we said, well, here, here's what I'm figuring. Again, I'm very smart and had no cell service. So those two things combined said, just walk the road back to your parking lot. Like, that's so easy. It's probably shorter than the actual trail. Wrong. Uh, like, we started trekking down 85 miles, 85 degrees out. Michigan humid. It's gross. I got mosquito bites in every place and mud all over. And so I said, well, how about we just leave these other two people behind? So we had two friends that were not as athletically minded if you will and they're like I'm not walking all the way back here's my keys like he drove so he's like take the keys so Lindsay and I we'll just run like a couple miles down to that parking lot uh, but in the back of my head I had a different plan maybe you've had plans like these before I said what I'm going to do is I'm going to start walking and one of those angry ladies in a minivan who wouldn't take me in the parking lot is going to feel bad for us and say, oh, come on, sweetie, you need a ride back down your car. I'll take you down. Uh, that didn't happen at all. <laughs> like, there's nobody that was helping us. Even the DNR passed us a couple times, like, see you later. Like, losers, pay the money, you idiots. Like, we just kept going, and we're like, we're going to make this work. We're saving money. We're saving money. This is $40 in our pocket, which doesn't even make sense now. I was like, I'll pay that any day now, knowing what I was getting into. So we're like halfway into this walk. Our friends are like sitting in the shade behind us like, have a good time. So we actually have a picture. I want to show you. This is us. And they like snap the picture from far away like, haha, suckers. And there goes motorcyclists and everything else. So we're running like full on clothes. And uh, we get almost all the way there. And I see the shuttle. And I'm like, oh, they're definitely going to stop and take us now. They're not going to charge us. And the guy, same thing. He's like, hi. <laughs> like, you idiots. Like, again. And so we just kept, kept going. We eventually made it. But I've never felt more alone and stranded and without help than in that picture right there. It's like, man, everybody passed us. Yes, I'm cheap, but someone's got to have some kind of compassion and help me out get back to my car. And no one did. And when you're in Tequamanon Falls, there's not a lot of other stuff out there. It's like the falls, DNR, that random brewery, and that's it. And so no one else was coming to help us. We couldn't stop. We couldn't go into a gas station and get water. It was just wilderness, Michigan, wild, and we made it. But here's what I thought about as we look ahead to this series and, and jump into the scripture for today. Is that all of us really know what it's like to feel like I felt on that road. We know what it's like to feel stranded alone, maybe even abandoned, or just in general in the wilderness. We know what it's like to feel like we just don't have anybody who's got our back, or we've got a, a decision or a, a difficult conversation to have, and we're just alone in it. We feel like we're in the wilderness. Actually, if we got to know one another really well, which we don't get to today, but all of us are familiar with the wilderness. All of us know what it's like to be out in a situation like that, which you just wish you could escape it's like, man, I wish one of those cars would pick me up. I wish the DNR would feel bad for me and put me in their truck and take me back to the car. I wish that the shuttle driver didn't just wave like a jerk at me. And I wish he'd have picked me up. Like all these things went through my mind because it was in the wilderness. But in our lives, it doesn't have to do just with walking or being on a vacation or going on a hike. The wilderness creeps into everyday parts of our life. Some of you know what it's like to be in a financial wilderness 
in which you don't know, how am I gonna pay the mortgage? How am I gonna pay the car? How am I gonna put gas in? Maybe even this week, you're like, man, I don't know how the bills are gonna work out this month. And, and you know what it's like to be in a financial wilderness. Others of you, even today as you sit here in church, know what it's like to be in a relational wilderness. Maybe it's in your marriage or with your kids or with your best friend that used to be your best friend. Maybe somebody else that's in your life, you're like, man, I wish that God would just break through. This is just too big for me. I don't know how to handle this specific wilderness. Others of you, it has to do with your faith that there's doubts and questions that are overwhelming to you and you don't have the answers and you feel like you're in a spiritual wilderness. The same goes for our careers and purpose. It may even go for your church or other things that are in your life in which you just feel, man, I don't see God in this. I don't know where God is. He feels far and I'm anxious and I don't know where the money's coming from and I'm starting to get worried. Or I thought this relationship was going to be different, but it's not. And I don't know how to get out of it. I feel like I'm in the middle of a wilderness. And I want to explore the question just for in the next few minutes right here is does God lead us into the wilderness? And if so, why does God lead us into the wilderness? Why does he do that? Because if you believe like I believe what the scriptures say, God is interested and at work in every one of our lives at all points. That is grace is working in our life even when we don't see it. So that means even when you're in the wilderness, God is there. But why would he lead you there? Why would he bring you into a place that you describe as the wilderness. I want to encourage you right now, if you have a device or a Bible, to pull out and turn to Matthew 4. Because in Matthew 4, we're going to look at two specific verses that are going to frame the rest of this series that you're going to want to know and be invested in and maybe even read over a few times throughout the week as well as something to take notes because we believe as we sang that God is here and speaking. That means there may be something for you today, even in his word. This is what we read in Matthew 4, just 1 and 2. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. And if you reverse that, you see that Jesus was being led not by the, not by the devil, but by God himself into the wilderness being led by the Spirit, the breath of God, to go into the wilderness, to go into a hard place. For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is fasting. Now, here's what I know. As you look at the Scripture story, you see that Israel, God's chosen people, had been in the wilderness before. Jesus wasn't the first one of God's people to be in the wilderness. Israel, for 40 years before ever entering into the land God had for them, was in the wilderness. They were dependent on him. They were fully reliant. They really couldn't do it on their own. Whether it was manna or his presence or worship or provision, they just couldn't do it on their own. And the wilderness drove them to that place. We see it in Moses' life. We see it in Elijah's life. We see it in Paul's life. We see it even right here in Jesus' life that God brings people, brings leaders, brings followers, brings ordinary people like you and me into the wilderness. But why does he do that? Why is it that God brings us into the wilderness? See, Matthew's goal, the writer here, this is an IRS agent turned disciple who was called by God to write the book of Matthew. This is not some elite author who just decided to capture Jesus' life. No, he was journeying with Jesus and everything in Matthew pointed to Jesus as the fulfillment 
of Israel's wilderness, of the whole scripture story being pointed to one person, Jesus. And so as Matthew is writing, keep that in mind. Here's what I know about wilderness, and you probably know this too. Maybe you've seen this in the last couple of years, but there's this kind of fad slash trend of like outdoor photography, especially when it comes to engagement, like pick the wildest and kind of un, unruined place and get your engagement photos done there. There's actually a couple, a couple of years ago in California that snuck past DNR into Yosemite National Park and went out where it says like, don't go past this point. They're like, that looks beautiful. And they like stepped out past the point. They didn't die in case you're wondering if that's where that goes, but they were alive. And the pictures are great. I've got a couple pictures that are similar. And so these people snuck out kind of onto the far ledge and took these engagement photos, which are pretty. Like they're very Pinterest friendly. They'd make a great Instagram. Like they've already got it split side by side. It would be amazing. But here's what I know about that kind of wilderness. That's really cute and romantic for like an hour. The longer you're in a wilderness, the less romantic it gets. Like picture that exact scene a year later. They're like naked and afraid. They've got clothes everywhere. They're eating like berries. They look like they've forged for the last six months. They've lost weight. Like the wilderness doesn't get prettier. It gets uglier. And maybe even in your wilderness, you can relate to that. It's like, man, there's a season where I'm like, oh, this is is good. And it's stretching my faith. And I'm relying on God more. But the longer you're in the wilderness, the less romantic and fun and spiritual that wilderness is. And so if that's true, and we've asked the question, why does God lead us into the wilderness? Here's what I think. I think the reason is this, and we'll read this again and again throughout the series, but here's what I know to be true, that God often leads us into the wilderness to fully surrender. I love what Brandon said because I feel like it confirmed what God was saying in the scriptures today. That God often leads us into the wilderness, into a difficult place, into a place where you and I feel kind of incompetent. Like we can't do it. We can't manufacture our way out so that we would fully surrender. Some of you that looks like physical pain right now, it's just too big for you. There's nothing you can physically do to make yourself well, maybe God is saying it's time for you to fully surrender that illness to me. Maybe there's a relationship today that you wish was a little bit more fine-tuned and working well, but you haven't fully surrendered it. And God's leading you into a wilderness, maybe even in your relationship, so that you would fully surrender. See, the devil tempts Jesus again and again in this passage, and we're just reading the first two verses today, but we'll get into the rest of the other verses throughout these weeks which I encourage you to be here every week for them because there's three specific tests. If you're taking notes, you're gonna wanna capture these so you know and you're looking for them ahead. Here's the first test that the devil brings up to Jesus. And every one of these tests is a chance for Jesus to seize back control from the Father, to unsurrender, to say, I'm in this wilderness, it's hard, I don't like it, it's gross, I'm hungry, I wish it was over. So I'm gonna take the shortcut. I'm gonna take the easy way out. The first test you're going to want to watch for in the scriptures here in Matthew 4 is the test of physical needs. Physical needs. See, one of the first tests that we'll explore is that the devil brings up to Jesus that he could just turn the rocks he's looking at into bread. Jesus, 100% divine, 100% human, could definitely make that happen. He could turn, take a shortcut and provide for himself, but he refutes it with scripture. That's the first test. The second is the approval of people. The approval of people. 
And the devil tempts Jesus, jump off the temple roof. The angels will save you and all the people around are going to be like, go, Jesus, you are definitely the son of God. You're the Messiah. You are clearly divine. It's the test of approval of people. Jesus, again, refutes the devil with scripture, knowing that would be a shortcut to the glory that's going to come following the cross. The third test is this, to escape suffering, to escape suffering. Jesus tested not just when it comes to physical needs, not just when it comes to approval of people in general, but even when it comes to his own prestige and the way he gets there. Not just about people, but the way he gets to that point, saying the devil essentially tests him and tempts him by saying, if you bow down to me, I'm going to give you all the kingdoms of this world. And the only thing you have to do is bow down to me and worship me. You can shortcut the cross. You can skip this weird ministry in which everyone's going to question you and, and beat you and torture you and harass you and misunderstand you. You can avoid all of that. Just take a shortcut. Worship me and don't ever approach the cross. Get out of this wilderness. Take the way out. And in verse 2, it kind of gives us a clue into something Jesus does. And as a church, we're going to pursue. And I want to talk about that in just one second. In verse 2, here's what happens. This is kind of like a no-brainer. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No, duh. <laughs> Picture that. 40 days and 40 nights. Of course, Jesus is hungry. Why does he fast? Why in the wilderness does Jesus abstain from food and become tempted in the wilderness yet actually still be a surrendered person? Here's what I think is key. If you grew up around church, you heard the word fasting, I'm sure before. Even within our church, we've had seasons in our history where we moved into kind of periods of time, 40 days, six months, whatever, to pray and fast and discern God's will for something. Fasting is simply this. Fasting is reliance on God for our core needs. Abstaining from food specifically, maybe technology, maybe certain relationships, maybe workaholism, maybe alcohol, whatever, abstaining from those things gives us the opportunity to fully rely on God for our core needs. And Satan's trap, some of you know this and some of you have not seen it in your life, but you will see it. Satan's trap is to make you and I self-reliant. Have you ever seen that? Like for Jesus, that was the test, wasn't it? Don't, you don't need to surrender. Don't, don't surrender to God. You can do this. You can get your physical needs met. You can get the approval of people. And ultimately, you can shortcut the cross and take the easy way out of the wilderness. But Jesus doesn't do that. And it's because there was 40 days and 40 nights of fasting prior to this event taking place. Place. But that's Satan's temptation. Make you and I self-reliant. Give us opportunity after opportunity, temptation after temptation to unsurrender, to take back control from God, to take back our agenda from the Father and say, not, not your will, but actually I'm going to go with mine on this one. And fasting breaks us of that self-reliance. It allows us to experience God more fully and more deeply. I think about the wilderness I think about even my own life and leadership as well as our church. What are the things that I am tempted as a pastor to unsurrender? And I thought about that question a lot. And this, this passage 
has been challenging me day after day. So we approach for this series, Voices in the Wilderness. It's more than a series. We're going to enter into, as a church, a season of 40 days of prayer and fasting so that we can together learn and resurrender some things and to, and to experience God. Because if I'm real honest today, that there are things even within, within our church that, that I want to unsurrender and take back. I mean, I sit in a building like this. If you know the church history, last 10, 12 years, we've never had a permanent building. I feel the pressure of that as your leader. And, I, and there's some days where I just wish I could unsurrender that and just take it back and say, God, I, I don't really care what you want. We're going to figure it out. We're going to work it out. But this call and this scripture reminds me to pray and to fast so that I can fully surrender, to actually step into a wilderness season. I think the same thing about our outreach partners, the people that we're serving right here in our region. I think about the communities of Door and Wyoming and Kentwood and Grandville and Byron Center, all the places that all of you come from every single weekend. And I think about the massive opportunity that we have to engage not just in one-off events, but with a regular built-in ministry, a, a partner, whether it's hand-to-hand or Hope Unexpected, or all these different things are out there, but we don't know the right one to choose because we could go and just choose all of them and do kind of an okay job and maybe a year later just back out or we could pray and discern, God, what's the right fit for us and to seek his will in it and to choose someone based out of that. Same goes for offering, same goes for issues in my own personal life. There are things that tempt me sometimes to unsurrender to say, oh, I don't like this wilderness, I want out, I want a quick shortcut and to be done. But there's probably things in your life that are too big for you right now too. There are probably wilderness seasons that you may be in right now and I don't know what specifically they are, I just know that they're there. And after having conversations with many of you, man, some of these situations are very, very much out of your control and too big for you. Here's the beauty. You are never, ever in a wilderness alone. Remember who led Jesus to the wilderness? It wasn't, it wasn't the enemy. It wasn't Satan. Who led him? The Spirit. So does that mean that even in your wilderness tonight or today, even right here as you sit here with all the situations swirling around in your mind, you are not alone? And your wilderness is not something you need to solve and you need to fix and you need to manufacture. You need to muster up the energy or pull yourself up by the bootstraps to figure out, no, that's actually not your job. Your job is to be faithful, obedient, and to trust and to fully surrender day after day after day because you're not alone in the wilderness. And God leads us into the wilderness so that we would fully surrender, so that we would truly trust him. So if you know that is my next step, there's a wilderness, it's too big for me. John, what do I do? I, our situations likely are different. Our wilderness, if we sat down long enough, we'd find maybe are similar, but some of them are very unique and distinct to us. Here's what you can do. If you want a next step with this and to take action, not just sometime or when you remember, but today with your wilderness, here's what you and I can do. We can engage the wilderness rather than escaping it. Because many of us, when we face a wilderness, we just want to run. We want the shortcut. We want the easy way. We want to figure out how do I reduce suffering? How do I reduce pain? Like Lindsay and I, perfect example, had a conversation the other night. We were talking about having kids and all this exciting stuff. And in my mind, I'm like, 
uh, mental note, pre-order the epidural. Like, I do not want my wife to suffer. I don't want to watch her be in pain. I don't want to watch that process be kind of a wilderness. I'm like, John is totally out of control. It's like that baby's going to happen or it's not, and you just got to be there. Like, I, that scares me. That forces me to fully surrender those situations. But instead of shortcutting that wilderness, maybe God wants me to fully surrender it. Even that small of a thing in my life, to engage the wilderness rather than try to escape, to have a daily surrender. I'll close with this. I, I was thinking about this message and praying through it even this week. And I was reminded of earlier in the summer. Some of you know I had the opportunity to take like a week and a half, two weeks on a study break to come and, and to, to go somewhere else, to study God's word, to trust him, to be aware I thought there was music playing. That may just be me. Uh, to be aware, I was like, God, is it time? Like floating up. My wilderness is over. Um, here I go. See, guys, it's been fun. Um, no, but I, I went to July and took a week in San Clemente, California. Beautiful place. Awesome. Got to walk along the beach, got to watch surfers, got to run, like all this stuff that I enjoy. Really good Mexican food every night. Like all of it was just in line. And I really thought I was going to come out of that study break with answers and clarity and I'm going to figure out the building thing. I'm going to figure out the outreach partners. I'm going to have the most amazing messages. And here's what happened like day one or two. I found myself in a spiritual wilderness. And I didn't expect it. I didn't know what to do. Actually, if I can be vulnerable, it made me uncomfortable because I lost control. I said, God, what are you doing? Jesus, what are you saying? Like I thought I had all these things kind of lined up and clear and then I'm coming back from this week or half or two away and all you've done is rob me of my pride and strip me down and kind of reveal where I had been leading or being a disciple or being a husband or a son out of my own control and unsurrendered life. And Jesus simply called me, like he will call you, to fully surrender once again. And I came back from that break not having answers, not having a ton of clarity, in some ways more tired than when I left, but I was fully surrendered, maybe for the first time in a long time. And it just became not about me. And that's the hope that Jesus has for your life, is that you can experience a fully surrendered life, and sometimes it's going to take the wilderness to get you there. Engage it. Don't just escape it. Don't just miss it. Don't waste your wilderness. Engage it and see God work and, and let him help you surrender even through that time. And if you want a next step in that, you say, okay, I'm willing to engage. It's really, really clear, really, really simple. As we begin this 40-day season right now, today marking the first day of this, you can join us on Facebook. You can literally go to our Facebook page, Find Center, Voices in the Wilderness Journey, as well as every one of you, when you walked in, you should have gotten something like this, a 40 days of prayer and fasting guide. And we don't just print stuff like this so that we can kill more trees. We actually think it will help you in your wilderness season. It will actually help you develop and grow in your faith. And so there's multiple challenges as well as kind of a why behind every week. And we've been in this and praying. And I would invite you to join us in that journey. Not just because, sure, the church has needs or there's things God wants to do. That's true. But there's probably situations in your life that are too big for you as well. And God can speak in this wilderness season even leading up to Christmas, you're like, John, why are you doing a prayer and fasting thing? It's Thanksgiving and Christmas, like the times I eat the most. 
Maybe that's a good thing, at least it is for me. And I think it helps us remember that we are not self-reliant, that we have to fully surrender. Would you pray with me as we move into a close here? I know um, for sure as I look around the room that I don't know all of your individual stories. I'm not even sure exactly where you are with Christ right now. But here's what I know. As Brennan talked about, and we prayed as a team, even this morning, that maybe today is the time, rather, for one of you to step across the line of faith and say, God, I don't have a relationship with you. I don't know what it means, but I know I'm going to fully surrender my life today and to give it over to you and say, God, have your way in me. Do what you want. Whether it's taking me out of the wilderness right now or, or being with me and present in it, I just want to have that deep and life-giving relationship with you. If that's you and you know today, I need to take a step of faith. I need to step out and cross the line. I've never done that before and I don't know all of the answers. I don't know exactly what it means. I invite you right now just to slip up your hand with no one looking around so I can pray specifically for you as you take that step. Awesome. I know today maybe for one or two or three of you, maybe more, that there are situations that are too big for you. And as Brennan said, maybe there's something within you, you don't even know what to call it, it's holding you back from fully experiencing that surrender and the giving over and engaging in your wilderness to Jesus. I'm gonna invite you right now just to throw up your hand real quick so I can pray specifically for you in this time. Father, we come today not wanting to miss you or to miss out on what you want to do in our wilderness, that your voice is speaking and that your presence is with us. God, help us to redeem and to engage and to find the blessing in our wilderness. I pray specifically for the person today who knows that their situation is too big for them physical need financial need issues with parents complexities at work a tough kid and we just surrender that to you asking you to have your way that actually our hope doesn't have to be in ourselves or our ability to achieve or to or gain wealth or to talk a good game our hope is ultimately in you and every promise you make to us you fulfill you answer that in the person of Christ your promises are yes and amen may it be so so we trust you in that we hand over our wilderness saying help us to engage rather than escape help us to fully surrender in this season we love you for it We trust you in it. In Jesus' name, amen.